What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 33. Bet Parks presents Stick to Hockey Live. We've got a live episode for you today and a good one. Oh, I'm excited to talk to our guest today, Alex Appleyard. He's coming to us from the UK. We're going to get some scouting on the European prospects. We're going to get some conversation on the current team and the state of the current team from Torts to Risto to Hayes to you name it. Oh, we got to go talk Morgan Frost. We got to go and tip it. We got to talk about Cam York. We got to talk about, holy shit, the two goals from Travis Konechny last night. Absolute filth on both of them. That backhand was ridiculous. Flyers get a win last night over Columbus. Yeah, Columbus is banged up. So are the Flyers. It's two banged up teams. I get it. You're missing huge uh, element players like Couturier for the Flyers and Atkinson. You're missing Borinsky, Boone Jenner for Columbus. I mean, they are banged up on the on the back end big time. But it was a win last night. But let me tell you about Bet Parks because we want to get to Alex in just a second. Bet Parks, the greatest mobile casino and sports book out there. It is fantastic. You need to download the app. Check it out. Start perusing it if you're not, or if you have it, and maybe you haven't been on in a little while. Well, that's a great time to get on. you got great football action to get get in on the NFL, bowls. You've got uh, college and pro hoops. You've got hockey. And anything in the world of sport, you can get your action in on, from live in-game betting to same-game parlays, props, teasers, player performances. It's all there on the Bet Parks app. So make sure you grab it. You're going to have a little time off during the holidays. Might as well get a little action in on the games. So check it out. It's easy to sign up, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. And right now, all new and existing users hit the promo code JASON750, J-A-S-O-N-750, and that'll get you a risk-free bet up to 750 bucks. Terms and conditions do apply on that, again, for new and existing users. So download the Bet Parks app today. You do need to be over 21 in present Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And also, great time to swing by Conquerville Subaru. Beautiful showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Uh, holidays time and a great time to go down there and check out their great inventory, certified pre-owned inventory, uh, incoming Subaru vehicles, and the Share the Love event, which goes on to January 3rd, where Subaru is going to donate $250 to uh, for every new car sold to a, one of five charities. You get to pick either the ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nation's Parks, or Conquerville's hometown charity, and it's a great one, Namor's Children's Hospital of Delaware. December, great time to visit the showroom of Route 202 in Glen Mills. Check out that uh, certified pre-owned inventory and all the great Subaru vehicles and great service department as well, where you get a free car wash with every visit. So check it out. Visit ConquervilleSubaru.com for all the details. Visit the showroom of Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember that Conquerville cares. All right. Sometimes we go north of the border. Sometimes we go across the ocean. And that's what we do today. Thanks to modern technology. It is Alexander Appleyard coming to us live from the UK. Alex, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on, Jason. It's a oh, pleasure to be here. I love that you cover the Flyers and you're so passionate about it. And you're you're over in the UK. Are there a lot of hockey fans over there? A lot of Flyer fans? Um, not so many Flyers fans, but quite a lot of hockey fans. I think it's it very used local. to be a lot of Flyer fans. Yeah, not yeah, lately. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very localized, you know. Um Big cities, some of the biggest cities, especially in the north, um, and Wales and Ireland and Scotland, Northern Ireland, have a quite big hockey followings because, yeah, in the 90s and early 2000s, hockey was really quite big here, and we had a lot of teams getting 5,000 plus fans a night. So, you know, Manchester, Sheffield, Nottingham, kind of Glasgow, Belfast, Cardiff, I would say, are quite big hubs. Um, and yeah, growing up in Manchester, we have we had a Hockey, hockey arena that was 17,500 seats when I was growing up. I mean, wow. we rarely got more than 7,000 and had a team with, you know, some really good players on. Frank Pietrangelo of um, mm-hmm. NHL fame was our goalie for a while. So, you know, going to watch hockey as a, as a kid there was amazing. And my, my family's, you know, been involved in American sports as well. My, my dad played American football mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a linebacker in the British League. So, yeah, growing up. Always watched uh, sports highlights, and uh, when I was maybe I don't know five six years old, saw Eric Lindros on the on the hockey highlights, and was like, "Yeah, that's that's my guy. This guy's like, yeah, this guy's like Batman on ice, you know." So <laughs> as a five year old, six year old, that swayed me to be a Flyers fan. Whereas my dad's a my dad's um my dad's a Blackhawks fan and full Chicago fan. So Boy, yeah, you that's guys how are in the whole ha- the whole uh, the family's in a tough spot right now, <laughs> right when it comes to those two teams. Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is, could you imagine if Lindros played today with yeah. the physicality? I think he'd be suspended so much because not for hitting dirty, but 
I think the assumption that it's a dirty hit when you just blow a guy to pieces because, and he would have to answer for every hit, even clean hits. Now it's, I don't know how he would be in today's game. Maybe he would be less physical and that would have extended his career. I don't know. Yeah, I think he wouldn't have. I mean, I think um, Guillermo looked into it. And I think all but one of the hits that gave him a concussion would have been illegal in today's game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, on that case, maybe he'd have played a bit longer. But, yeah, I think he would have been suspended 15, 20 games a season because I don't think you could change that instinct from him. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot of his hits, a lot of his hits weren't, you know, like... They were they weren't premeditated. It was just heat in the moment. I'm gonna kill that guy. That's just how he was. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is too, like he was so strong that guys would try and hit him, and then he would just buckle them. It was crazy. Like guys would fly off him, like he was swatting bugs away. It was yeah, he's just so I mean, big I, and so strong. One of the measures of it, I think, was the old, old Eric Lindros in the last couple of years of his career. And I can't I don't know if you remember that fight with Joe Thornton. You know, a mm-hmm. guy who's just just as big as him, and yeah. also you know a guy who when he was young was a nasty. Nasty POS Joe Thornton before he, you know, matured a bit. And yeah. I think Lindros broke his cheekbone in one punch and it seemed like Thornton never really played the same way again. Um, yeah. you know, I think that was the thing that did it for me. He's prime, you know, he was one of the most skillful players in the league, one of the fastest players in the league, one of the biggest hitters. And also, yeah, you know, I still love hockey fights and the guy could throw down with anyone in the league and rarely lost. So, yeah, he was the complete package, really. Yeah, he was pure entertainment to watch as well. Um, let's get your let's get your thoughts on what took place last night because the Flyers get a win. Kevin Hayes returned to the lineup after uh, sitting a period and then a game. He has the healthy scratch the other night, and even though uh, Zach McEwen couldn't go and they were down a forward, they opted to bring Justin Braun back in, and go eleven and seven, which was you know further indication that Torts is not screwing around and there is going to be accountability for not only. You know, all the pretty much all the players on the team, if you're going to do that to Kevin Hayes as your top point getter on the season, every, anybody is susceptible to having that happen. Uh, what did you think of the Hayes situation? I think it's multifaceted on one hand. Yeah, he's been scoring points. But at the same time, his defense has probably looked worse than it ever has. And everyone who's been on his line with him has suffered as a result. You know, you've you've had a guy like Konechny, who I think has been playing fantastically well this year. And when you look at the 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 plus minus when you look at the underlying defensive stats, his stats have I think expected goals against are pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Because because he's been playing alongside him. And yeah, Hayes has always been a bit like that, you know. He's a bit yeah. of a hot dogger, like he loves having the puck, he loves going to pice and taking risks. Um, but he's just not been getting back probably as much as he really should be and looked a bit disinterested at times. And I think some of that is that's the player, you know, he's been like yeah. that since his college days. You know, you know you're gonna get probably fifty 50 points a season from him and some great playmaking. Uh, and when he's on his game and really engaged, he's an okay defensive player, you know, solid, nothing special. Um, but yeah, this season, I think he's really neglected the defensive side. And you see him jump in the zone even earlier than usual. I mean, he's always been a bit guy who kind of likes doing that to, to get a pace and get a pace quickly. But yeah, um, and, it, and it's, it's difficult because on one hand, you know, Chuck Fletcher knew he was that player when he brought him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, last few years, I think it's kind of been, I mean, he's not played as poorly the last few years defensively, but at times it's been kind of seemingly tolerated because, you know, he is a okay second line center and that's a position that's at a premium in the NHL. And he was, you know, one of Fletcher's star acquisitions. So um, it seemed under before Tarts that, you know, it was just like, Hazel make mistakes, but they accepted it because that's kind of who he was. But I think as much as it's as a message against Hayes as well with Tartarelli, you know, it's, it's hard not to see the further implications of that, especially yeah. with him saying, like, look, this guy is maybe not part of my plans going forward if um, if he can't change how he plays. And I'm not sure he will because, you know, he's, well, 30 years old. <laughs> not yeah. many guys that age are going to be able to reinvigorate and change their game when they probably played like that since they were since they were preteens, really. You know? You're so, not going to change a guy at 30 completely. No. You just have to have a little bit of that, you know, you know, want to do the right things and, you know, kind of meet me halfway stuff. And the thing is, is I, I think that's why Torts moves him to the wing. He's going to go, okay, I need his scoring. I need his playmaking in the offensive zone. He works off the half wall better than he works in the middle anyway, in offensive zone. But I'm going to mitigate what he's bad at, which is defending, especially down below the dots in the D zone. And I'm going to make him a winger. I'll put Noah Cates there to handle that heavy lifting. And I'll put him on the wing. You know, I always thought he was destined for the wing. I didn't know it was this early, especially on a team that's bereft of centers. But uh, 
you know, moving him to the wing maybe mitigates the that it has a better chance of making him a net positive player at both ends of the ice. Yeah, I think so. I think most guys in the league are better at wing than center, you know, because there's, I mean, there's some specific special players, you know, a guy like Couturier, Bergeron, the Datsuks of this world, and, you know, even Giroud when he was in his prime, those really high IQ guys who are good two ways are going to be better at sea. But most players, I think, with the lack of responsibility defensive, or the lesser responsibility defensively, um, are a bit better at wing. And I think, you know, if Hayes plays a whole season at wing, he's probably going to be a 55-plus player there. So, um, yeah, but at the same time, it's difficult with the term left on his contract. And mm-hmm. if he's not a center, his value is less on the market. And how many people would be able to willing to pick up that contract as it is? You know, it's um, it's a problem that the Flyers could do without if Tots doesn't consider him kind of part of the future or a guy he really wants to to, to be in his kind of core guys. Um, because, you know, that's seemingly in confrontation with what management kind of wanted to build this team around. Yeah. Uh, and, and as well, potentially causes more issues with cap and more issues with moving guys going forward. What, what did you think of the hiring of Torts? I think he's a good coach. I'm not going to beat around the bush there. He's not my style of coach. You know, a lot of the the, the hockey plays, I wouldn't say is the, the hockey that I enjoy watching. I love the physicality side of things, mm-hmm. um, but I do prefer maybe a bit faster paced. Yeah. More east-west hockey with, you know, that, that's just how I am. I think some of that's grown up in Europe where, you know, you're, a lot of the, Swedish league, which is the league I follow a lot, is the closest to the NHL in Europe, but there's maybe a bit more open play. Um, yeah, bigger sheet of ice. Yeah. So, so a, lot I think more, a lot more east-west. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And um, so that's a preference. You know, that's a personal preference. I do think the league's going a bit more that way, but I, I don't have a problem with him as a coach. He's a good coach. He's got a good track record. Um, and I do think, you know, it's difficult to say, really, because it's hard to, to evaluate this team properly. But I think it'd be probably a bit worse without him. If yeah. they carried on how they were in the direction they were, say, last year, um, I do think they've improved maybe slightly under him in terms of the quality of players they have versus kind of where they are. But, you know, it's still a, it's still a, it's a really bad team. Yeah, I mean, so many guys hurt. And even at full strength, they'd still be lacking the you know requisite high-end skill. You know, one of the big things that, that he's kind of tasked with, I think, Alex, this year is – you know, finding out who's who and who's what and developing some of these young players. He's always been a pretty good development coach going all the way back to his Tampa days. And, you know, you look at the development of guys like Zach Wernsey. Would they have been good players anyway? Absolutely, because they're incredibly talented players. But, you know, and developing guys, you know, you can do that. And, you know, one of the things, a couple of players that we look at in particular, Morgan Frost, Cam York is a guy that he's got his hands on now, started out with the Phantoms. Uh, you had a guy like an Owen Tippett that's part of that Giroux trade that's got to, you know, figure out where he fits in the NHL. I think the development of those guys and even TK, you know, kind of a reclamation project a little bit with him, I think is one of the the bigger elements on his checklist that we're looking for him to accomplish in a positive way. Whether Morgan Frost is a, a, a bona fide NHL center or not, we got to find out. Yeah, and I think it's one of the positives that can be drawn from this year is that most of the younger players are at least playing well or showing they can play in the NHL. I mean, York's only been up a few games, but he's looked heads and shoulders the Flyers' best defenseman. And I mean, he did look good last year, but not but not to yeah. this level. But he looks, I mean, obviously it's difficult to evaluate some of the others. You know, Provorov just, I mean, I think at this stage, you've got to say maybe he's just a second pair in defenseman. And Sanheim has his moments, but he's inconsistent and he's probably also a second pair in defenseman. Uh, but York, you know, I, I still think that he has potential, maybe not to be a legitimate number one, but to be like a solid number two, three defenseman in, you know, the the kind of, I don't know, he's a very different player than them, but kind of, you know, when Coburn and Matt Carl were alongside Pronger and Timonen and were fantastic players. Yeah. Uh, he has kind of the the ability to be that level of player, even though he'll score more points than them. A guy who's going to be a solid number two, can play 22 plus minutes a night. Um, quarterback so nice. power play too yeah, exactly and he's i think he's better defensively than anyone in my, than a lot of people see you know yeah. in college he was really great there the world juniors he was relied on defensively and on the penalty kill and he's a really smart player who knows how to use his body knows how to get in the way of um passing lanes has a great stick yeah i'm, I'm a fan of cam york and i think he's gonna go far in in the game and I, it would shock me if he didn't become a kind of bona fide number three defenseman in a very short period of time so it's good to see him now in the in the 
in the NHL, hopefully full time. Yeah, I think he, I think he's here to stay. I really and, and as and as for the other guys, you know, everyone knows the talent Konechny's got. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can see that, and everyone's been able to see for a very long time that this is a guy who has the skill set to be a consistent 70-plus point player and a legitimate first-line winger. And, and over his career, you know, he's had seasons like that, one big season like that, and maybe another couple of years where he's kind of on that cusp of a proper first-line forward. Um, and this year, yeah, he seems to have really put things together. And I mean, I I was shocked, to be honest, in some of the people thought that Tarts wouldn't like Konechny, because I think the one thing that you've always got from Travis Konechny is you can see it, is his heart's always been in the right place and the guy is not work shy in any way shape or form you know he's always been one of the fittest guys on the flyers puts in a lot of work off ice no one will ever question his work ethic i just think you know sometimes his passion takes over and um he's the kind of guy i always thought that on a on a better flyers team would be adored you yeah. know he, he he's in the kind of mold of you know a young mark recce not the same level of player but like a young mark recce rick mm-hmm. Tuck, melonby kind of yeah, you know, get him there and mix it up too. Like they always yeah. like that element. Like very intense guy. I think he plays better when he's needling. You know, it just a higher level of engagement. But you're right. He's a guy that I've always seen as a guy that spills it. You know, he always works his tail off and under torts this year. He's I think he's just come in and and kind of t- he took the benching against San Jose. I think the right way and came back and I mean you can always tell. I say this all the time. Don't ever listen to what a coach says he feels about a player. Look at how he uses a player. I mean, Konechny the other night played 26-plus minutes in a regulation game. He's putting him on the PK. He's on the number one power play. He's out there in all situations trying to preserve a lead or, you know, tie a game up. I mean, that's that tells you the coach loves him. Yeah, and, uh, and I wasn't in doubt that he would, but it's nice to see him starting to look again like a 70 plus point guy as opposed to you know what he's been for the last few years which is a good probably high-end second line winger but the Flyers really need him to be that legitimate first line right winger because you know Flyers went from having probably the deepest right wing group in the NHL a few years ago to to then this year coming in with like well who's who's going to be the guy there and uh, Konechny's really I think taken taken that role on and also taken seemingly like you know He's more. He looks like a leader for the team. You know, he talks. I've said that. Yep. He talks a lot, and he also leads by example on ice. And I think maybe it's one of those things that you know, Giroux was always a guy who led by example on ice. And I think Connect is alongside someone like Lawton is now kind of Mm -hmm. stepping into that. You know, we're the guys who are going to go out there and set the tone, and we know we know we need to, and we have the the skill set to, and also kind of the mentality to. You know, both of them like involved, both of them like mixing up, and it's really great to see that he's really thriving because he's a fantastic player. Yeah, and he's been a captain at every level about prior to getting to the NHL. I think they should put it when they eventually decide on who's going to wear a letter. I think he's a guy that should wear it. I think the the removal of Giroux created that vacuum and that extra. Now there's now there's a piece of the leadership pie to jump into, and I think he's a guy that has jumped into it. And I I think that would be good if he was you know part he's part of the core, so he should I think he should wear a letter. Um, when they eventually do decide that and who's the next captain, who's that going to be? Probably going to be Lawton. Um, could, you know, actually, it's funny because I was I had a conversation with Couturier last night. I rode the elevator down with him and he, he said, pain free, feeling good. He's going to get back on the ice maybe early January. So we'll see where it goes from there. He said he feels great, though. He's not no residual uh, pain or, you know, anything from the second surgery. So. Where we, we'll see where that goes because that's a huge question, right? Like first year of this new deal, this guy is your top line center, and I mean you need him with guys like Cutter Gauthier coming, and we'll see what they end up in this draft. I mean you could end up deep at center if you get lucky in this draft and you end up with a Bedard or a Fantilli, and then all of a sudden you go, okay, I have Couturier if he gets back and back to somewhat what he was, and then Cutter Gauthier. And, you know, a high-end, another center. Now you're all of a sudden, you're going, man, we're really good up the middle. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that it's a good year to be bad if you need a center because I don't, aside from maybe 2003, I don't think there's been a draft that on paper leading up to it has as many good centers as this one. It's just all, see, you know, there's so many guys down to 15, 16, 17 overall where you might get a first-line center. Yeah. So here's the draft for it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you don't hear many drafts compared to that 03, because that 03 draft's absurd yeah i mean it is i mean there's guys still in the league that were drafted in the seventh and ninth round like halak was a ninth round pick we saw him the other night 
uh, Joe Pavelski still getting it done, a seventh round pick in that draft. And then the first round is just, I mean, Burns in that first round. There's so many guys that are still in the league with all these, even Carter, all these years later. So um, let's talk about, you know, the, the, the path for this team, because, you know, we heard the term aggressive retool last January. We're coming up on the anniversary. I'm sure we'll all celebrate and get out our noisemakers and whistles. Um, but we heard that term in January of last year from Dave Scott in that press conference with Chuck Fletcher. Um, they haven't used the term rebuild. Sorts is, you know, knocking all around the term, but not saying it. But this, in essence, is a rebuild. But the timetable on a rebuild is really to be determined because, there's so many factors that go into it. The return of Couturier, the return maybe of Atkinson, Ellis. I think that we're not going to count on that. But and then you couple that with draft lottery luck, and you know the timetable is yet to be determined. Yeah, um, and I do think that this draft and where they fall in it, like you know, I'm I'm not one for tanking. Like I'm really, I, I agree. It's so alien to me as well as like a European sports fan in general you know everyone wants counterintuitive yeah and as well you know the guys on the ice like everyone everyone who's ever played sports to a decent level knows that everyone goes out there every single game wanting to do the best possible you know it might be that the headspace isn't right it might be the body isn't right it might be they're just not that talented but you know the 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 fact that the flyers are so low i think is just because they've just got a poor team on paper Um, but i think this draft will be key i think if they can it's sad to say but if they get a top five pick it's, it should be very hard to miss on a legitimate first-line player and hopefully a first-line center. And if, as it seems like, is going to happen, they're going to miss the playoffs. Well, at the trade deadline, if they could somehow get another first-round first pick, then you might be able to maneuver yourself into a position where you can have a draft like, say, 2003 for the Flyers, you know, which will set the tone for the next... I mean, it's still, you know, Carter, Carter and Richards. We, You know, Couturier is a direct result. Yep. Uh, those He's a byproduct. Moves. Yeah, Frost and Farabee are effectively, you know, in, in, in that kind of yeah. tree along the line. So, you know, it's um, if they can have a draft like that, I think that will set the foundations because the one positive I would say is that the, the prospect depth, I don't think is a our young player depth isn't a problem really at all. You know, we've seen this year guys coming in. You know, you've got Kate, you've got Lashinsky, you've got Allison, you've got now Tippett these guys can play in the NHL, even if they might only be third line guys, you still need those guys. Um, and then like a guy like Oli Lixell came over to the AHL this year. Yep, I've been pumping his tires for a few years because yeah, he plays the game the right way. He's a little ball of energy and he has a lot of skill and he might only be a third liner, but I don't think they have any problems in, in those areas. And even a guy that drafted a lot of year, like Kaplan in the third round, you know, he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. A bit buried on a good team right now in the NCAA, but it would shock me if he wasn't a third liner. Um, and then, you know, on defense, you've got York and someone we'll probably speak about a bit later, Andre. Yep. And, uh, you know, Zamula has shown at times that he can hang in the NHL. He just needs to, to add a bit to his frame and be more consistent. And, you know, you've still got guys like we spoke about, like Konechny, who's very young. You've got Farabee, who's a legitimate NHL top six player already and very young. You've got Sanheim, who's, yeah, he's not a young, young anymore, but he's a legitimate top four defense defender and seems like he might be one of the only older pieces that's around for a, for a while, given given what we've seen in the last year or so. So, you know, I think they do have the, in two years, three, two, three years time, it the second pair in third pair in fourth line, third line and second line, I'm not worried in the slightest about for the Flyers. It's that top line and oh, the top pair. Yep. Yeah, and you're setting goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the fact that we don't even speak about goal goalies anymore is is fantastic you know yeah my whole lifetime we spoke about flyers goalies and and now for the first time pretty much maybe from about apart from about 18 months of mason in my life um you know we're not speaking about it because carter hart is fantastic and i think this year i think the flyers would be more in a position like last year if it wasn't for carter hart this year because i don't think say sandstrom's done that much wrong you know he hasn't had many awful games it's just the, the the quality of shots against him at times has been overwhelming um, and I think if you you had a if you didn't have cards high, I don't think the team's save percentage would be above nine hundred. Um, Agreed. So yeah. you know he he's amazing, and you know we talk about Sandstrom. You know this Erson's fantastic. I think Erson's the best goalie prospect they have. Uh, better than Sandstrom. Better than another guy we'll probably talk about, Kolosov. Um, even better than you know currently uh, serving for the Russian Down Forces, Mister Ivan Fedotov. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, goalie, goalie really isn't an issue for the Flyers, and I think they'll get a really good backup 
Uh, if those yeah, guys Col- what, what do you know about Kolosov? He's 20 years old. Uh, I mean, the guy, the guy's an interesting player to, to say, to say the least. I, I'm not, I'm not going to pump his tires too much because uh, goalies are really difficult to predict. Yeah. It's a voodoo. But you look at his profile and you look at how he plays. Yeah. He's not the biggest goalie. That's the only thing that he maybe falls down on. You know, Essen and Sandstrom are both normal size goalies, you know, six, two. Yeah. Uh, Kolosov's probably six foot. You know, he, he's bigger than a guy like Michael Neuwirth, but he's he's not kind of the, the height that you'd expect from a modern NHL goalie. But he's an unbelievable athlete. Um, he plays a chaotic style of netminding at times. You know, he's uh, very like, uh, you know, no, no one should be compared to Dominic Hasek. But that's the name that everyone knows. A bit unorthodox, he's, right? Very unorthodox goalie who comes out, he makes very acrobatic saves. He's not scared to play the puck, um, and he's fun to watch and yeah. makes some incredible saves. And he's a legitimate KHL starter right now. You know, he's at nine 9.915 save percentage now for, for Dynamo Minsk, and they are not a good team. Yeah, so he's seen a lot of quality against. Yeah, he's, his backup is Konstantin uh, Shostak, I think his name is. Um, and he played last year on a legitimate KHL, like, you know, top 10 team, and put up like a point ninety three nine. Two zero percentage wow. as a backup, and this year he's at point like eight eight five, and he's also wow. a Belarusian international. So it's yeah. not like this guy's a, is a nobody who can't play. You know, this guy's got a pretty decent track record. He also played in Liga and put up nine hundred. So and and yeah, Kolosov is at like point nine one five, and he's at like point eight 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 or something. So yeah, that's kind of. The- that's kind of the path from Sorokin and Shosturkin, you know, playing 20 years old as a starter in the K. Then they just keep putting up great numbers after great numbers. And then they come over here and like, you look at both of those guys, like they're, I mean, I know a lot of the people you point to Shosturkin because of the year he had last year and won the Vesna, but I think Sorokin is like nipping on his heels as being just as good. So I think the Sorokin's unbelievable. Yeah. They both move. So, um, so they're getting great goalie coaching over there too. Yeah, and um, he keeps growing in confidence as well. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's been in an all-star game now in the KHL. Um, and also this week, he probably had, I would say, probably for him, the most important game of his career um, in the Channel One Cup. You know, now there's obviously no one apart from ex-USSR-affiliated teams playing over there because no one's playing in Russia. But um, Kazakhstan, Belarus, and Russia played a three-team tournament um, in lieu of, you know, the usual Czech, Finn, Swede, Russia games. And um, Kolosov backstop Belarus to a very famous win, 5-4 over Russia in the shootout, stopped over 40 shots, um, and helped Belarus to beat Russia in their own their own kind of tin pot tournament, really, if we're being wow. honest. So, so that was a big game from him, and he looked fantastic. And yeah. Uh, yeah, he's the guy who can be... He could probably, next year or the year after, be an okay NHL backup. You know, the same mm-hmm. as that. Like, I think both of those, between those two, they're going to be the kind of future of the backup. The position even though sandstrom's immensely talented but i just don't think he's as maybe got the mental game or as technically precise as those two, two in terms of his movement um he's yeah. an amazing athlete but he's great he's, in post play yeah i don't Sent- think he's yeah, do that. It's, yeah his post play has always been good but it, it's getting out of off your knees when the puck comes to a higher spot that that's kind of burned him a couple of times this year Let, let's talk about co- some of the european guys and you mentioned him uh emil andre He's um boy, second round pick a couple of years ago, and he's a guy that is really on a nice path. Uh, people have said maybe he ends up being like, you know, like a chemo team type player. Um, he had a great world juniors last year as well, captain of the team. He had eight points in the tournament. Wh- where do you see out of out of Emil? Uh, this year's been fantastic, like as good as you could have probably hoped for in terms of his his development. I think. For context, I would say the SAL is probably a similar level league to the AHL. Maybe yeah. marginally better overall because you do not have as... You maybe have a higher top end. I mean, a, a higher top end and a slightly higher bottom end in terms of, you know, the top end guys are guys who've played in the NHL. Um, and the bottom end guys are guys who, you know, were either drafted or are 25-year-olds who have shown that they can play in a higher level European league. And on a kind of pretty... I mean, they shouldn't be as bad as they are, but on a poor team, um, he, he's been wonderful. Like He's been their best defenseman. And this team, I mean, only recently, this team now includes Nicholas Jalmerson. So, and Nick Jalmerson's uh, playing over there. Yeah. So wow. 
So, um, you know, he's got Chad Billings on it as well, the ex-Flames player. He didn't play very much. And then they've also got Eric Martinson, who is a Swedish international. And Andre's been the pick of the bunch, like, easily. Um, he's not on power play one either, but putting up fantastic numbers. Like, right now, he's playing over 20 minutes a night. He has 17 points in 25 games. Um, so, like, 0 points, 6, 8 points per game. And I think less than half of them have been on the power play. Um, and for context, if he continues at the current trajectory this year, he'll have the second highest point total in Swedish um, Hockey League history for a guy under 21 from D. Like the only guy who's will have higher is uh, David Rumblad, who is yeah, a very talented player who never really made it. Mm-hmm. And so he's on a really good trajectory and on a better team, he'd probably have more points and he's not playing power play one. So yeah, it's really impressive. And the underlying numbers are also fantastic. Like he's the only regular defenseman on that blue line who's over 50% Carsey. He's at 53. You know, every single teammate he's playing with, he's elevating. Um, and he's also, yeah, I think for, for a smaller player, he has the things that you need to succeed in that he's really gritty. He has a fantastic sense of leverage. That's one thing that I would, I wouldn't compare him to Kimo Timon in many things, but his lower body strength is is similar. Like he's Kimo's kind of lower body was enormous. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, so he's a similar height. He's a similar height, but he understands how to use leverage and he doesn't often get pushed around, you know, yeah. He was up. He was up last year. I watched a game where he was playing against uh, Victor Victor uh, Eitzel, You know, who was over at the Blackhawks for a brief time. And that guy's six five, six six, and probably two hundred and ten, fifteen pounds. And Andre went head to head with him and held his own around the net because he's really got a good sense of leverage and is a strong kid. The one thing that I do think he will still need to improve on is his skating. Like he's yep. he's getting better. He's getting a lot better, and his gap control has improved massively. That was my big issue with him in his post draft year. He lost his gap so often. Whereas now he he keeps a good he's I think he's back with skating's got better he's more maneuverable. Was he too tight on a guy and a guy he could get turned? Uh, yeah, I think he either got he was he's very aggressive. I mean, a really aggressive, like a very stereotypical modern defenseman in terms of how he plays the blue line. You know, he likes to step yeah. up early. He likes to make body contact, or if not get body contact, get a stick near body. And I don't think he was a good enough skater at the SHL and Alstenskan level to do that consistently. Whereas now he's doing it. He's made, been able to, you know, make those adjustments and a slight improvement in skating, I think, means he's not that step behind. And it's really showing, you know, it's a very good league, maybe the third best league on, on earth. And he's been a, maybe not a number one defenseman, but close to it this year for them. So and, it's, uh, it's really he's a good leader, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone you speak to speaks about him as a kid with his head really well screwed on, who knows what his role is on the ice, who if a coach tells him something, he's going to do it. Um, regardless of if it's his skill set or not, he will he'll play for his coach, play for his teammate, and all his teammates, you know, respect the guy. And that's the reason he's had a C on his chest since he was probably about 15 years old on and off. Um, and you see it even in the SHL, you know, he's one of the younger players on the team, but on ice, he leads from the front and he's not afraid to stick up for himself and teammates as well. You know, I think, I'm not sure he leads the team in penalty minutes this year, but he's right up there. I mean, some of that's a bit dubious. He got a, ejected from a game the other day for a cross check that probably shouldn't have been. So that was a nice mm-hmm. 25 minutes added on. But, you know, he doesn't worry about roughing it up. Um, and, uh, yeah, and in terms of the future, he's a guy who should be an NHL player. Um, he probably could, you know, it's always difficult to say with, you know, the transition from big eyes to small eyes, but it wouldn't shock me if he could play in the NHL right now and be better than some of the guys the Flyers of ice this year on the blue line. Um, yeah. I do think he's going to take some transition time. And yeah, maybe he comes over, plays a little AHL just to get used yeah. to the pro game here and the smaller ice because it is daunting. Like to go right from that big ice to the NHL, you know, you already lose, you're going to lose, you know, time and space. And then you're going to lose time and space and real estate <laughs> when you come yeah. over. You know, that's a big thing. It, it, I mean, and it's markedly bigger. I think it's what, yeah. 3,000 square feet total yes. bigger. That's a lot. Yeah, significantly. Um, and for him, you know, he's a guy that I would say that in terms of upside, he, the only flyers defenseman currently in the organization with maybe a higher upside, you know, unless we're talking someone like Proverov or Sanheim completely putting their game together over the next two years is York. You know, I think he's got a higher upside than Zamula. Um, Zamula is probably more likely to reach his floor as an NHL player, but Andre, if everything went really, really well from now on, it wouldn't completely shock me to see him become kind of a really good number three defenseman. You can put up 40 points a season. Yeah. Quite like a power play, maybe alongside York, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's the big test for him now will be next year because I think he'll come across to North America. Yep. Because he, I don't think he has anything left to do now in Sweden. There was a yeah, big question. Kinda, you get to a certain point and it's kind of like it, diminishing returns. I've been there, done that. I've surpassed this league. 
Yeah, I mean, last year in the Elsvenskan, the second tier, he proved a lot of critics wrong in terms of improving his gap control and having a fantastic year where we, he was he was probably in contention for for the defenseman of the the year in that in that league. Really, you know, yeah. all things considered, um, he helped get his team promoted. You know, maybe one of the key one or two players who did that. And then it's like, well, can he play now in in the SAL and do the same? And he, he's doing the same on a team yeah. that isn't dominant like they, they were last year in the second tier. So. I think next year he should come over and it would be a shock if he didn't prove to be very good in the AHL. And then the only question is how he trans transition to the NHL where you are facing effectively the best players in the SAL every night on the NHL team's third and fourth lines, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's relentless. You're playing the best players in the world and then they're big boys and they're strong and they can just do so much in little spaces. And, and the thing is too, you know, when you get over to the NHL, the, the defenseman development is different than it is for a forward, you know, because first of all, any mistake you made is more pronounced. You can't hide. Uh, yeah. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing him and, you know, seeing him come over next year and seeing what kind of camp he has and, you know, start to knock some doors. Now, like you mentioned, Ole Lixell, who played over there as well. And is with the Phantoms now. We got the chance to see him last week for a couple of games. I thought he made some plays. He could see the skill there. But I remember early in camp talking to Torts, and Torts said, this guy, he's, he's like, I had no idea who he was, but I kept seeing guys, because he was watching from above the perch, making plays. And every time he go, who's that guy to me to play? Oh, oh, it's Lixell. Look at his sheet. Who's that guy to me? Oh, it's Lixell again in the right spot. You know, just good instincts around the net and those kind of things. And, um, pro you know, probably not a top six guy, but another guy that can kind of fill in that bottom six. And you, if you can check all those boxes in your bottom six, you know, making the job of acquiring high-end talent, which is not easy, or developing it is is going to be all all what they need to do. Let's talk about Tumala, um, because he's a guy that, um, boy, it, there's some expectations there. He's a second-round pick, uh, but where are you seeing his game right now? It's really difficult to say. I mean, I watched him last year, and it was... Uh, he's in the show. Tier 2 league, correct? Yeah. Last yeah. year, it was, a, it was a complete horror show. Like, I'm not mincing my words about that. He yep. has an amazing skill set, great shot, great speed. Um, but he just looked lost constantly. You know, in the AHL, he looked lost. In Liga, he looked lost. Like, when he got a chance at the international level, he looked lost. Like, he just looks a step behind a play because um, the big issue with him is his hockey IQ. Uh, he just struggles to read the game at a high level. And as he was exposed to higher levels, I, I think it was really apparent. Um, there's no doubt in that skill and um the the physical ability but yeah he just needs to learn to read, to read the game better and this year when he was he played a few games of Liga to start the season and once again looks completely outmatched you know he's on the fourth line getting healthy scratch because he just couldn't do the small things that could keep him in a lineup and not be a negative for his team um on a team that was playing young players you know the the, the, the last year and this year there was a lot of other young Finns who were getting time and he was getting scratched because he just couldn't play the game the right way now he's been loaned down to Mestis and he's been on two teams. He's been on Pelitat um, and now Katera. And yeah, the the stat sheet is good and he's been playing well there. There's no doubt about that. You know, he's basically goal a game, 11 in 12 um, with like 20, 20 points in 12 games. But, but I would say the the caveat to this is that the Mestis is not the Alsvenskan. You know, if a guy's doing well in the Swedish second tier, he can probably play in the Swedish Hockey League and do an okay job. Uh, it Mestis is is a far lower level, you know. It's the it's a it's probably not quite ECHL level, the the, the Mestis. So it definitely has to be taken with a pinch of salt. But it but it's promising, you know. Like there's almost no direct comparable because so few players of that potential ever play in that league. Um, yeah. Once they're 17, 18, because you know if you if you have an NHL future for the most part, you're playing Liga at nineteen twenty. Um, because there's no need to be playing in that second tier. So, it, so it's difficult. He's playing well, and the stat sheet looks good. Um, but we won't know until he's back in Liga or in a comparable league, you know, if he goes to the AHL again, or if, say, he moves to Sweden or Switzerland or the Czech Republic, you know, he's probably not going to. He's probably going to stay in Liga or move to the AHL. But I think it's impossible to tell until we see him against those better players um, because of that issue of the IQ. You know, when, you, when you're at a lower level, your IQ can be covered by that speed and that shot and that skill. Whereas when you're playing a guy shift in, shift out every single time you're up against anyone who can read the game better than you, um, that's when you really get left behind. So yeah, I hope he keeps scoring. 
because I think he's, a solid, you know, when he, when he was drafted, I wasn't upset with the pick. I, I think he's a solid player with a lot of skill. And it was roughly the range he should have been drafted in, I thought. But we'll have to see next year or if he goes back up because he's only on loan. Um, it might be that in the new year, maybe they go, you know what? We're going to take another look at this guy and see if with some renewed confidence, he can actually play in Liga. Um, but I think it's a really difficult one to project right now. He, he has the skill set to be a Middlesex NHL guy who's going to get 40 points and 20 goals because he has an amazing shot and great speed. But yeah, we won't, we won't know until we see him at the Liga or AHL level because that 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 level is, yeah, ECHL and really hard to project from. Yeah, that's that's a big leap to go to that. Uh, you got a chance to see Adam get in quite a bit, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a pick from back in the 2018 draft, 22 years of age. Now he's a big boy too. What's your projection on him? Uh, if I'm honest, like I don't see him being really AHL. much than a yeah, fill-in. Like... Mm-hmm. It yeah. might be to, be, to be honest, it wouldn't shock me to see him have like a Robert Hegg style career. I think he's mm-hmm. maybe got a better natural skill set. I mean, physical skill set than Hegg. He's a better skater. Um, he also has some skill. But he's also a guy who can get caught behind the play. Um, he kind of loses men and struggles to kind of read the game at a high pace. Like he has the physical skill set, but it, it, I struggle to see him as a full-time NHLer. Unless it's just kind of as a fill-in or a number six with a really good puck-moving partner. Yeah. Um, you know, I've watched a bit of him on the Phantoms, and he's looked a bit better in the AHL than the SAL, and that might be partially due to skill set because I think he he's a guy who is probably better when he relies on just like a kind of a fast faster-paced game where he doesn't have time to think, whereas at Swedish Hockey League, I think sometimes he had time to think about things and often made the wrong decision. So maybe yeah. the kind of bang bang nature of smaller ice suits him slightly better. Um, Sometimes you think and you can overthink. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, you know, you're watching him alongside some of the other younger guys, and I think he's not played as many games this year. But when he has, I think Linus Hugby has been better, slightly better. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know, you've got a guy like uh, Ronnie Attard, who's been better. He's not known for his kind of defensive aspects, but I think he's been you know pretty similar on that regard. Zamula's obviously been better. So when you start putting him against guys, his own age group in the same league you're like well if he's behind those guys in terms of the yeah yeah he's not, play, like there's not a pass against the nhl so yeah. he might play a few games he might you know play half a season here but I, I i struggle to see him being a positive impact at the nhl level what, what do you think of adder because we saw him last year um his energy like off the ice and around is like unbelievable like the guy is just always like huge smile very positive and he's got a bomb for a shot um but he's gonna you know right side guy it, projection on him you think you know at the nhl level as a third pair right side guy if he if he can get there yeah i think he has the skills skills too um mm-hmm. but it's just about getting that consistency i think we saw last year you know he'd have amazing moments where you're like wow this guy's an nhl player and then he'd do something that you just like you cannot do that yeah he'd over pursue a play like outside the dots quite often yeah, so um, I think it's rounded out that game. And I do think, like you said, he's he's the kind of guy that if he puts it together, he can easily be a third-pairing defenseman and mm-hmm. do a job. You know, he's never going to be the most solid defensively, but so long as he can kind of get break-even or just under, I think he's, he's play-driving and his offensive ability will kind of make up for it. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's the kind of guy that in an ideal world, you would have a 23-year-old Justin Braun to put on the left side with him. <laughs> yeah. You know, like a lefty Justin Braun at the same age. But yeah. The the thing with him, like he scores that goal last year on Jack Campbell off the rush, coming down the right side. And the shot, I like Campbell was like, Who the hell's this dude? Like yeah. I've only seen that kind of shot from you know Matthews in practice. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, I was like, ooh, the play it was just a beautiful shot that just beat Campbell. And I don't love Campbell, I'm not a huge Campbell, <laughs> but still he's an, he's a legit NHL goalie. But anyway, uh yeah, it's great stuff on the European guys. I mean, anybody else that you want to mention? Uh, in terms of the the Euros, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna say that I do think Linus Hogby can mm-hmm. still be an NHL player in that number six role. I mean, we saw him up. I think he's maybe a bit out of the organization's plans now. Going off the, I mean, he's been a, I think a bit banged up at times, but you know, he's not playing kind of every game for the Phantoms. Um, but yeah. you know, I think he's the kind of guy who maybe towards the end of this year, once they completely have a playoff spot, they should probably once again give another look and give him maybe 20 games this time because I do think he can be a solid number six defenseman because he's great at the line and a very good skater. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably the only other guy right now who I'm, I'm going to talk too much about. And um... How about for the draft? Anybody over the Europeans? Like, give, give me a couple guys that 
you know, the Flyers could target that maybe, you know, in that first round or even in the second round, that might be good players that they can look after. I know Yoki's over there, Jochen Grumberg, the Flyers had a European scouting is all over these guys. A couple of guys that, you know, are really going to pop in this year's draft. Um, well, I mean, you've got the, the the big name Swede in this draft, and he might be available when the Flyers take him, when well, when the Flyers pick. Um, he's also a C, is Leo Carlson. Mm-hmm. Leo Carlson is, he's proven that he can hold his own in the Swedish Hockey League right now. He's a great, great playmaker. Um, he's a big-ish guy, you know, 6'2", 6'3", uh, a comp, an NHL comp on him. It's a difficult one. Yeah, um, especially for a kid so young. But <laughs> I mean, if everything went perfectly, maybe you'd say he's more like a, I don't know, a modernish day Sundin, like not as physical, not the same, mm-hmm. but a playmaker, primarily a playmaker who plays well defensively. Bigger frame, too. Um, yeah, he's a big, big as, frame guy, too. Yeah. Not quite as big as Matt's, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think he can be the kind of guy who, if things go well for him in his career, he can be a 75 plus. He could be a 75 plus um plus point guy. Um and then you also have like quite a few uh, Slovakians in this draft. Um like Dvorsky, he's also in Sweden. Uh he's a really good player who can play C. I don't know if he's gonna be a be a C full time. So he's a guy who might go kind of, kind of top top ten. And then um Edwards, I think his surname is Sale, but Saleh, I don't know how precisely to um, to pronounce it, but he's a guy who's really, really showing at a very high level and could also be a guy go taking in this maybe six to ten-ish range mm-hmm. uh, for a winger, but he has everything, like really high-skilled. Um, he could be a franchise-type player. So they're the, maybe the three Euros early on. I mean, there's obviously Matvey Michkov who... Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about next because, you know, the big question with him is when is he going to get here? <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's the problem, especially with what's going on in Russia right now. Yeah. Like, uh, he's committed, I think, to play in the KHL for maybe another, let's two. see. Two or yeah, three. two years or so. And yeah. he's an amazing talent, but would be willing to wait that long to, to bring him over. Uh, I, I, it wouldn't shock me if he fell to maybe like four or five just, just for that fact. Because um, if you're drafting this high in this draft, you want almost an immediate return on your pick and and waiting is hard <laughs> to do. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really difficult to, if he's there when you pick and you have say a, a guy like sale or Carlson alongside them, you're like, well, do we take a guy who could potentially be a hundred point player, but we're going to have to wait three years. Or do we take a guy who maybe next year or the year after could be a 75 point player? I think it gets more difficult once you're starting to pick at say two. You know, if you've yeah. got Fantilli versus him, I think you take Fantilli, like yeah. because of because of position and also because because of immediacy of impact and because of the lack of concern about is he going to come over, what's going to happen there. So I think, would I mean, you I have Fantilli rated head to head, all things being equal? Would you rate Fantilli ahead of him? In terms of ceiling, I don't think so. Um, I think if you go in for absolute, who can be the best? Mitchkov is up there just after Bedard in terms of what he can be. You know, this guy can be a hundred plus point player. Fintilli yeah. probably can as well, but I think Mitchkov might be maybe more of a game changer in five, six, seven, eight years' time. But yeah. there's not a whole lot between them. You know, you, you're talking like if one of them is a 110-point player, one of them is going to be a 100-point player, and maybe yeah. Fintilli can bring other things to the game that Mitchkov can't. So, I mean, if you ended up with either of those guys, like, I'd be happy. It's just with Mitchkov, do you wait that long? Yeah. So Bedard is the, the number one consensus at this point. Oh, yeah, I don't think I mean, he's a... It's absurd watching him. Yeah, I mean, he, absurd. Unreal. He's the he's the kind of guy who can be. You know, you, you hesitate to say McDavid, Crosby, but oh, he's got better numbers than McDavid had at that same yeah. age in the same league. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's a special player, uh, really special player. So so that's going to be interesting. And there's a lot of um there's a lot of other guys who are just really interesting in this first round as well. Guys who aren't even talked about. Who you're like, well. He could also be like a, a star kind of star kind of player. There's there's just so many, and it, it yeah. it's it's incredible to see how many of these guys are just going to be high end. You know, there's a guy like Matthew Wood who's putting up basically point per game in NCAA in his draft year. You don't hear him mentioned because there's yeah. so many other guys that kind of drown out guys like that. Um, whereas usually they'd, they'd be right up amongst the the favorites for number one. And I think that's the thing that this draft really has. 
you're talking maybe 20 guys who would usually go top 10. So yeah, great chance for the Flyers to pick someone up. You know, that's the thing. You, you kind of mentioned it earlier. It's not that you're bad in sports sometimes. Yeah. It's, you got to be bad at the right time. Because <laughs> you can be bad and, and end up with a nail Yakupov. Now, Edmonton won the lottery like 17 times out of 19 years. But... Uh, and they ended up with David and Dreisaitl, and yet they're still struggling. I mean, they lost yeah. to Anaheim. The other. I mean, how can a team with McDavid and Dreisaitl lose to Anaheim, who's won two regulation games all year? Yeah. Can you explain that? I mean, it's it's a team game. That's that's the point. But um, and no one player is going to fix anything. You got to build a team. And I don't know. You can build a team there in Edmonton with what those two guys are getting paid and what they're going to continue to get paid. But um, you know, that's the thing is, <laughs> it's it's amazing that you got to be bad at the right time. And then you got to get a little luck like Colorado that year. I mean, they're the last place team by 20 points in 2017, right? They already have McKinnon. They got Landeskog. They got Rantanen. They end up the worst team in the league by 20 points. They dropped the fourth in that draft. And they're Joe Sackick is, Sackick is rip shit pissed about that. But Kale McCarr is there and they end up with McCarr who wasn't considered generational going into that draft but it's turning into a generational talent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing, though, with this draft that I do think, like, you're going to have to be really unlucky to screw it up, especially yeah. if you pick top five, because I can't see many of these guys failing. You know, they're, they're all, you look at the skill sets, you look at the profile statistically, and the comparable, there should be 10 plus first line, 75, 80 point players in this draft. You yeah. know, if you're just looking at normal like projections for these guys, and you combine that with Cutter Gauthier, who what did you, you we saw him in World Juniors the other night on that top line with Logan Cooley. He's playing top PP, he's playing on the wing, he's not playing center, but uh, he picks up two, two assists in that game, and he's having a really good season so far. Uh, in, in the, co- the collegiate game, uh, player of the month, and really yeah. kind of came in and and did the right things. Coach was hard on him at first, had to teach him a few lessons, which is good, and kind of get his get him acclimated to torts. But uh, sure. what have you seen out of Gauthier? Because yeah, to me, he looks like a, a Kreider type, you know, the, the skating, the size, the shot. I think um, it's easy to see that he could be a 70-point first-ish line NHL winger. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I, I, I hesitate to think that he can be a center, I must be honest. Um, yeah. I think he's better on the wing, like the way he uses his size on the wing is probably better. His shot, kind of, it's probably nicer to have that extra open space and maybe more time on the rush. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you look at him and Farabee, and in a couple of years, I think they should should provide you with a first-line left wing and a second-line left winger. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's a good player. Like There's no, no, no doubt about that. Um, I like a little size in, on the wings, too. You know, I like, especially in the D zone. Because you're going to get into a lot of corner and board battles there, and you need a guy that can go in there and win them, win yeah. those pots, 50-50s. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think that's the thing for me, why this draft is so important as a, for senses. You know, on the on the left, you've got Farabee and Gartier, who are both young. And then in, in depth, you know, you've got loads of guys. You know, we all already mentioned, like, Hates, who's a left-wing, has been a left-wing primarily for most of his college career and now playing center. You've got Lixell, who's also a left wing, and then you go over to right wing, and you know, you've got Konechny, who's penciled in as you know, one of those top six guys. And then between Tippett, Allison, etc., you should probably get a good third line winger who can be Brink in that mix too. When yeah, and obviously, back. yeah, he's injured, but Bobby Brink, yeah, I've loved that guy since before he was drafted. And I think he's gonna be a second line winger who's gonna be a really good power play player. Yeah, as he, well. Watching that skating <laughs> is so bizarre, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's always been. I think he's going to throw torts for a loop when he first sees him skate. Yeah, I think the good thing that we have with Brink though is the guy loves getting into those gritty areas and has sticking his nose in. Like I think Tart's going to really love that and be able to, you know, deal with the shortcomings of his skating because you know this guy's skating has been questioned since he was 16 years old and it's just not made a difference at any level so far. He's improved a lot. Yeah, he he still gets to the right spots. You know, he did at the NHL last year too. He always ends up in the right spot. You look at the stride. And it's just, it, it's ugly, yeah. <laughs> frankly. And and you go, there's no way this guy's going to be able to survive in the NHL because it looks so bizarre. But he gets to the right spots, and like you said, it's been questioned everywhere, and he's put up numbers everywhere. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, at the highest level at World Juniors, he looked great. 
Yeah. The NCAA looks great. And when he got his cup of coffee with the Flyers, he looked great. Yeah. So, so that's why the center position is so important. You know, you have Bastion. to curate, but. Yeah, it is. It, that It's everything. You need to be good up the middle. Um, last thing for you. Um, is is this situation with the Flyers as doom and gloom as we see on social media? I think it's, I think it's difficult <laughs> in terms of there are just so many questions right now. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest question for me about the whole, you know, the, the players they have are what they are. The prospects they have are okay without too much high-end talent. You know, we've talked about, you know, Konechny and Faraby and Brink and um, Gauthier, York and Andre, and they are the standout kind of young guys. Maybe Tippett is part of that too. Alongside Hart, but how many of those guys, you know, maybe Faraby, Konechny and Gauthier are the guys who you're like, okay, they'll be 70-point players. Yeah. And York, you're like maybe a number two defenseman, but that leaves two enormous holes. And I mean, we haven't spoke about him, but, you know, one good positive as well is Morgan Frost's been playing really well this year. Yeah. And I think you start to see that this guy could be a 50-point center. You know, he works really hard defensively, and I think uh, he's got a bit stronger, which has really helped because he's always yeah. wanted to do the right thing. He just used to get bullied. Yeah. Um, so, so it's been nice to see his confidence. So maybe you can say, you know, if he keeps having a good year, maybe you could pencil him in as a, a middle six center going forward if he if he's going to stick at center. But but going, we they, they need a number one defenseman and a... I, number one center probably because Couturier is very good, but versus the top teams, you look at those top teams and Couturier, yeah, might be when he's fully fit, the 13th, 14th, 15th best center in the league. Um, but those top teams have all top six, seven, eight center. And then a guy who's probably 20th, 25th best in the league as well. So yeah. Flyers want to compete within the next five or six years. They're going to have to find a franchise center and a franchise defenseman. And that's franchise the right side guy for sure, because so much of the game is limiting the damage of the number of the opposition's number one line. Yeah. You know, when Niskanen was here that year, you know, Ovechkin had in four games no points against the Flyers. The Bergeron Pasternak Marshan line, I think, only had three points combined in three games. And just limiting the other teams top line is that's the job and that is every team every good team in the league has got a top line like that they just yeah. do right exactly um so they, they have to go out there and hopefully in this draft find themselves a, a 1c first and foremost i'm not yeah. sure there's a legitimate really really you know apart from maybe in the top 10 if they're very lucky i don't think there's going to be a legitimate easy to identify 1d in this draft yeah, there are a few really good guys, but I think they'll they'll be off the board kind of by ten because the the forward position is so strong and the D is a bit weaker. Um, but yeah, um, the the center That's position. the hard is, part. It's that high end talent. I mean, there's not yeah. a high end talent tree outside the skate zone where you can just go out there and pluck one off. <laughs> you know, yeah. And if you, think, you don't you don't get rid of it, you don't trade it, you know, or let it walk. And I think the Flyers were spoiled for a number of years in terms of we saw it as normal to be able to get these high-end talent guys later in the draft. You know, yeah. it happened with Gagne, it happened with Richards, it Giroux. happened with Giroux. Um, like they, they managed to acquire, you know, franchise players with twentieth, twenty-fifth overall picks, and and that isn't normal. You know, when yeah, you start no. running the numbers on it, it's one guy a year after fifteenth overall who becomes a one C or one D. You know, yeah. yeah, you can pick up first line wingers relatively easily in the in this league. You know, guys who are going to score sixty points from wing, they're, they're but the center is a different animal. It's a yeah, exactly. Different... And you need a guy like they lack. They, they need a guy they can chuck over the boards that the other team, as soon as he jumps on the ice, goes, "Oh shit, he's out here." <laughs> you know what I mean? That can just take over in a shift or take over a game. You know, scoring always off the rush, just doing magical things. And that's that's a hard thing to find, and that's what we're hoping to come out of this draft with for sure, no doubt yes, about it. Exactly, um, and, I, and I think that, that, that when you've got Bedard, Fantilli, and Carlson, he'll probably all be there in the top five. You start thinking, yeah. well, maybe maybe it's one of them. Um, maybe it's one of them. So. Yeah, dude, Alex, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Where can people find your stuff? Smart. What is it? The website? Smart. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's uh, www.smartsmaht.scouting.com um, uh, and on, on 
And on Twitter, you can find uh, me um, at AV Appleyard. Um, and yeah, that's uh, pretty much where I'm doing most of my stuff. Not quite as active as I was a year or two ago, but uh, still, still there all the time. Well, do, do yourself a favor and stay off Twitter as much as you can <laughs> <laughs> to keep your sanity over the holidays and for the new year re-engage, but only to a point. <laughs> it's always fun. Hey, man, I really appreciate this. This was awesome. I loved your perspective and, and everything you had to say. It was a fun conversation. I hope people enjoyed it as well. Give uh, Alexander uh, a follow on Twitter and check out Smart. What is it? Smart Prospects? Uh, SmartScouting.com. Scouting. Damn, I'm so bad. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for doing this, man. Have a great holiday, all right? Yeah, you, you too, Jason. Have a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Awesome. Uh, there he is, Alexander Appleyard, coming to us live from across the pond. Awesome stuff. I really appreciate him joining us, and uh, it was a lot, great conversation, and I hope everybody enjoyed it as well. He's, he's a guy that does great stuff on Twitter. That's where I've been seeing his stuff for a couple of years now. So I appreciate him coming on. Uh, check out the Bet Parks app. Get on it. Get on the action tonight in the uh, hockey league, in the basketball leagues, in football this weekend, college and pro. You got bowl games. Take it from me. The Bet Parks app is fantastic. It's everything you want in a mobile casino sports book, right in, the po- right in your pocket. It travels with you. It's on your phone. Easy to sign up, fun to use, and faster to win than ever before. So download the Bet Parks app today. Must be 21 or over and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we'll be back Friday. We're going to check in with Julie Robenheimer for a World Junior Update. Give us the download on that and much more on Friday's edition of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you Friday right here. Someone learn, many do, cover up or spread it out. Turn around, had enough, making shoes of the